Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon, I'm Marcello Rolando, and this is the Reasonable Voices talk radio show, and I'm your host. My guest today is Tom... Joyce. Tom Joyce is the executive director of the Thomas Jefferson Emergency Medical Services. Thomas Jefferson Emergency Medical Services Council covers the counties of Albemarle, Fluvanna, Green, Louisa, Nelson, and the city of Charlottesville, at least the planning district 10, uh, and Madison County, planning district 9, in all of this, of course, in central Virginia, where I am at least two days a week. The TJEMS also works uh, closely with the EMS agencies in Orange and Buckingham counties. Beautiful country all. So welcome, Tom Joyce, to the show. How are you? Great. Thank you for having us on. Thanks so much. Uh, it's my pleasure. Where do we begin? How, how does the EMS assist um, the the area's uh, first responders, for instance? Well, this, this whole, um, the genesis of this whole thing, EMS Week, is it's a week that's declared by the governor here in the Commonwealth mm-hmm. for appreciation of the providers. So the concentration here is on the individuals who actually provide the service. Now, those individuals are in this area, there's sort of over 2,500 uh, certified EMS providers of varying levels of certification that provide that service in volunteer, career, or mixture. Mm. Most places nowadays in our jurisdiction actually have mixed uh, career providers mixed with volunteer providers. So those are the folks that actually provide help and medical care to anybody who's who's sick or injured in in the whole Commonwealth, but specifically we're focusing on this area here, the Thomas Jefferson EMS Council region, those counties that you uh, alluded to earlier. So when we think of first responders, um, we are, I assume that the EMS is also talking about the kind of rescue and first aid and saving from danger, quality patient care that one gets even before they get to the hospital, like from fire personnel, police, of course. Um, Would this be correct? And how does that then go ahead? Specifically EMS Weeks 
is focused and the EMS service is um, focused and, and provided by folks in the region here who are qualified and certified through training and different levels of training through the Department of Health. And so these, these folks are all certified. So they're all, if you want to say, they're those people who will come to your, if you have an accident or to your home. Yes. And yes, they are, they are primarily, you're going to see them in the form of ambulance. Yes. Not with an ambulance, yeah. but also in this day and age, we now have a a far um, a, a greatly increasing component to where those first responders, as you described them, may conjointly come on a fire truck. Mm. So EMS is not what you used to see years ago. It involved ambulance and, and various training levels. Um, there is a big incorporation now of fire services in it as well for you know just to have a broad base and often manpower is needed as well but these fire providers also have the same certification qualification uh, you know through the department of health yes i i know things have changed as i researched for today's show i've been impressed with uh, the fact that we don't and i'll speak for myself as well we don't always realize Things have changed so much, but it is a broader uh, range, as you say. What are the dates specifically for this upcoming EMS Appreciation Week? Well, this particular year, it's May 20th to the 26th is EMS Appreciation Week. And what sort of things will be going on to show our appreciation for you guys? Well, we here at the council, one of the things we've done is we've tried to reach out to the individual providers and we've partnered with uh, 20 or, or more local agencies from um, food and beverage folks that will provide food to them, um, service, you know, public service providers, tax preparers, we have insurance agents, we have all sorts of, a whole variety of business owners mm. who want to reach out and give for free and participate in a program to give to these people during this particular week where we, we get a chance to officially recognize them. So some of the, you know, some of the things we will do, one of the biggest things that you can always, if you want to please a fire EMS person, please feed them because it's, it's, yes. it's hard and not always guaranteed that you're going to eat during a shift because exactly. you're completely dependent on other things happening in other people's lives. So a lot of the things we'll be doing, we'll partner with Santera Martha Jefferson Hospital as well and the University of Virginia. And there will be food available for these folks when they show up to the emergency room. So they'll have a chance to have some good food and a bite to eat. Other places have provided gifts for them, um, you know, different, different things from their businesses. And then some of our partners will actually have We've designated particular stations in a, a business's given area, and they will actually go out to the station and provide them with meals. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fairly broad-ranging week. Lots of things go on, and it, it's just basically to show community appreciation. I mean, these folks really, and I've said this before during the week when I was speaking to somebody, EMS is a bit like car insurance. Mm. You, you must have it. You need it. You never deal with it. You've had it for years and years. It's always been around. And unless you have a particular interaction or you're ill or injured, you can go through your whole life and just know that it exists somewhere in the background and have no clue as to what goes on. And it's an incredibly dynamic and very um, 
in-depth and difficult service to put on mm. that nobody has any idea, but we presume it to be there. You know, that's what I was confessing to uh, earlier, is that exactly that. It's it's there, and you know it's there, but you don't think about it, of course, until you're in the middle of an emergency. And, uh, and we do we do need to be aware of it and be appreciative, which is, of course, what we're talking about today. I know recently, uh, end of April, there was a Medicare conference. Did that yield anything? As... No, that the, the Medicare would does not, generally speaking, directly impact the provision of service here. There, there are some things for some of the agencies who might bill for service, mm-hmm. but that's that's certainly outside the scope of the of the thing we're doing this week. We're just appreciating and celebrating the people who you know who really give up and nobody realizes that this service is 24 hours a day every single day of the week and in order to provide that service each person who provides this somewhere in their life somebody is having to give up in order for them to do that yes and people don't always realize that so in order to you know provide true service the people who serve all the people connected to them also serve because they have to give up in order for those people to serve. They're going to miss something yes. um, in their personal lives. So it's, it is very um, personally demanding, mm-hmm. whether you be a volunteer or a career um, provider, to actually put this service on. And as you say, these are primarily volunteers. I mean, all around, uh, I know um, Crozet Virginia is looking for more volunteers. I guess the the, number, the, the numbers and the needs for volunteers is unending, yes? Well, I mean, what happens here is no different than any other societal need. The demands rarely ever decrease. Mm. The demands always go up. Mm-hmm. But society as it has changed and how the paradigm that we deliver care is where these are truly well-educated, uh, well-credentialed individuals, the commitment to get those credentials and then do all the required continuing medical education or what have you to maintain those things, that makes it very difficult to get people in the volunteer component. Mm. So in our region and in a lot of places in the Commonwealth, um, we are still very dependent on that career volunteer interface yes and the system could not be put on without our volunteers and, and let I me mean, it just couldn't be and they are trying so hard to get members of their community to come in and you know you got to remember if you contact one of these people it's going to be no cost to you. They're going to provide everything for you. The initial entry training, the mentoring, all the things that will get you to where you are a competent person. It's all laid out for you. But a lot of the time, most of the community don't know they even exist, like we said, until something happens to them. Yes. Yeah, so there's a great need, and we would encourage anybody either to contact us here at the council or contact you. You, you mentioned Crozet, this Western Albemarle Rescue Squad there. Yes. Um, contact the agency directly. They'd be more than happy to hear from you. And there's a real connect. I know this is stating the obvious, but the idea is that bridge between the hospital, the emergency room, and between the patient who suddenly has an emergency and discovers a need for EMS this is what volunteers are, tr- are training to be? Is that oversimplifying, to, to be that bridge? 
EMS provides the care. So in this day and age, the services in emergency situations that you can receive at your house or on the side of the road mm. are close to equal to the services that you would receive in the ER. Wow. Absence of diagnostic and testing and so So I think it's very important that people understand that the days where somebody showed up to your house or your crash site and was a well-meaning individual, nothing but provide you with a good ride to the hospital, um, those days are gone. Are gone, long, yes. Long, long gone. Yes. These people are providing you know, state-of-the-art, evidence-based emergency medical treatment and care when they see you. Yes. And that was the point I was trying to make. It's, it's, it, it's, it's seamless now. Because, yeah. because of my pa- parents and their declining uh, health years ago, I, I, I spent a great deal of time welcoming uh, the ambulance and the emergency uh, uh, personnel and getting people to the hospital. It was, it was impressive even then, and it certainly has grown since then. Give us some more examples of that, because that's, um, I think that's the thing we have to redefine in our own minds uh, or, or accept, I guess, the, the new definition of what uh, emergency medical services is. Well, you, and I, I think as we're talking about what it is presently, mm-hmm. and we're, we're spending some time defining what it is now and has been for a long time, mm-hmm. um, we need to understand that it is an incredibly fast evolving and dynamic yes. um, part of healthcare. And the things that we speak about are well established, have been established for decades. Mm. Just maybe folks aren't aware of them. Mm-hmm. But now we find that the, the new horizon for EMS is how are we responding and how can EMS fit into the community? Yes. As we, we know that our healthcare system in general is stretched very thin. Yes. And the role now that folks are looking at will be the advance that you will see in the next five or ten years is does EMS have a role other than purely the E part of it, the emergency? Yes. Is it now going to have to expand its role to community-based health care and emergency medical services? Mm. So will you be seeing some of the chronic health care maintenance and delivery of care outside that traditional care and transport to a health care facility, is that care going to be delivered in the community? Mm. And that's where the industry is probably going right now and being looked at. It's all over the world. Europe Europe is looking at it as we try to figure out how can we better utilize the resources we have when we're not really expanding in our amount of people but greatly expanding our societal need, how do you best use the resources you have to, to manage that across the whole system? Wow. And EMS has always been, um, since I guess 1966, when they wrote a thing called the, what was to be known as the White Paper, yes. which is really was the birth of what we think of EMS to be. Nothing like the EMS we see now, but it was the first time it was really ever the concept of having an organized EMS system in America was raised. You wouldn't recognize it now, yes. but it was the birth of it. And if you look where we are now at 2018, we are making 
yet more changes. It's it's an incredibly fast, dynamic, fast-paced, ever-changing um, healthcare environment. And it is, truly is a healthcare environment yes. in, in the true sense of the word. And that's why these folks that we try to celebrate in this week, they are the people who are in the middle of this, taking care of the people who need help and also facing how do they respond to the future? Yes. What is the changing role? What's the changing model going to be? Will it look the same five years or ten years from now? Mm. I really don't think so. I don't either, not the way you're talking. But let's take a short break. We are talking with Tom Joyce, who is the executive director of the Thomas Jefferson Emergency Medical Services. We are talking about the community involvement the, and the unity, the, the collaboration, if you will, of community and medical services that are very different, as Tom is telling us, than what they were just a short while ago. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Taking care of an Alzheimer's patient is a pretty much a full-time Fifty percent of caregivers die uh, while they are caring for awareness someone. about Alzheimer's and research. Just because someone's mind is being diminished does not mean that uh, the ordinary physical things don't happen. They can uh, have a sore throat and not be able to tell you. They can have something in their eye and not be able to explain it. So you have to be aware that in every respect, life is still going on for them physically, even though you are focused on the, uh, the mental dementia, the, the person is still living a life physically and emotionally. For all those who see this video, I hope you will learn more than I ever did before you ever have to know it. That's my message. Support, please, the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you. Please call 800-272-3900. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. My guest today is the incredibly informative, uh, I've just told him he's so enlightening between uh, uh, segments here, uh, Tom Joyce, the Thomas Jefferson Emergency Medical Services Executive Director is making it crystal clear that, um, well, it's not just about emergencies anymore, and and we have a, a broader range of uh, professional uh, level of volunteers. And I, Tom just said something before we came back. I'm going to ask him to say it again. What was that, Tom? Eighty yeah. percent of the. Well, we, we, we look at the, the encounters we have with people as EMS professionals, whether that be career or volunteer EMS professionals, and we look at the, the community needs. Certainly, we respond to emergent accidents, things that have happened right now that didn't exist before we saw you. But if you look at statistically and you look, you look at a lot of the data, about 80% of healthcare is spent in the last six months of life. So we see a lot of patients who are chronically ill and we see them as they progress through that disease process. Yes. So if you're the wonderful thing and I, what I'd hate people to think of is EMS professionals and I use that term because they truly are providing professional health care regardless of whether they receive a check for it or not. Mm. The, care with, the care that volunteers versus aid staff provide has to meet the same muster, the same veracity, regardless what it is. Mm -hmm. 
and regardless whether they receive an income from it or not, which makes it somewhat amazing that these folks are out there volunteering doing the same thing. But we see these patients, especially in our region here, you know, we, we have a, a quasi-urban setting in the Charlottesville Admiral Ring, but most of the agencies in our regional council area, they're kind of rural. Mm, and yes. there's a greater bond and knowledge of the community in these smaller communities. So we follow and know people through their entire disease process. Many, you know, many families, they know each other personally. So there is not just a clinical skills, procedures, medications type aspect to this. Often, I think, unrecognized is the support and the social support and the understanding of the dynamics of that individual and their home and their family and their personal situation, which is a great luxury we have mm. than if you were working in a city of two million people and you had no clue who you met. Yes. So we can, we can help people both in the pure medical sense as it regards treatment and, and procedures and what have you, but helping people is not ever limited to that. Mm. Helping people is also helping the person. And it's a wonderful luxury we have in these smaller communities because you get to know the person. And you, so your, your, your benefit to that person, it adds another facet to it. So then who is the typical uh, EMS person, responder? Are, are, they, are they chosen or do, do they choose or do you choose or the council or whoever chooses? Well, to, you know, it's a question people ask me all the time and I always hate to answer a question with you can't answer that question because you can't. Mm. The typical EMS provider is anybody you might see walking down the street. Mm. We have people that are career and volunteer we have folks in both areas as either volunteer professional EMS or career professional EMS in, that come from every scope of practice mm. and sphere of life, judges, doctors, lawyers, to people who might farm a family farm out in a very rural you know, community, people yes. with terminal, terminal degrees, academic degrees. They're all together in this group. Wow. So you can't you can't pick out the typical person because they're not typical. Mm -hmm. They have certain personality traits and they have certain common wills and desires that attract them to this this type of endeavor and allow them to put up with what are unquestionable hardships in order to do it. But you couldn't pick out in a group of people. That's your typical EMS provider. They're everybody in your community. And that's why you may not choose to do this as a profession. Mm -hmm. But the opportunity is open to you here in the Commonwealth to do it as a volunteer. So is this kind of a, a return to the doctor making house calls? It seems to me we have a... Um, uh, love thy neighbor as thyself, evolvement here. Does this program, do these volunteers of every walk of life, who, as you say, know many of the people they're helping are their neighbors, um, mm -hmm. does this bring us back to a kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always a bit critical of this, everyone, young people claiming that because they've got a smartphone and they look at it all day long, they're connected. I think real connection is when people look at people. How does what we are talking about today and what we want to appreciate in, in, in this EMS Appreciation Week, how does that, uh, tell us about that, make, make that connection to us. What, what it 
really does. And you make the, the, the analogy of the old doc and the house call. And my father and my family years and years ago were all physicians in the days where that did happen. Mm. You know, they had a, uh, from Europe, they used to call them surgery hours. Your office was in your house. Yes. And you saw patients, we'll say, from 9 to 11. And then you got your car out and you went and you saw them in the house. Yes. And then you come back at 3 o'clock and you saw patients from 3 to 5. And then you went back out again and did your evening rounds in the houses. And those days are all gone. Mm -hmm. But what we're seeing now is there is a push to bring EMS out to providing part of that service again. Now, as it exists presently, the purview in law for EMS is for EMS emergency calls. The Commonwealth law does not allow for EMS to provide, typically speaking, provide home health care. That's probably where it's headed. I would say a lot of people, some people would argue with me, but I think, generally speaking, a more expanded community involvement is where it's headed. But even as it exists right now in the typical, what we would consider emergencies, you've got to remember that every contact we have with people, yes, it has that technical aspect, skills, procedures, as I said before, Mm -hmm. that require knowledge, education, practice, and years of experience. But every single call involves a human. Yes. Every one of them. Mm. So they're not, if it didn't, you could be a car mechanic because you'd still be faced with the same problem to solve, the same way of resolving the problem because you understand how the vehicle works. Yes. The difference is it's not a human. Mm. There's no attachment to it. And EMS deals with humans. And every time we see somebody, some way or other, we're going to affect their, their person, their personality. That day is going to be affected yes. by having met us. Now, we hope it's, we hope it's always that they're better off for having seen us. Yes. <laughs> but, um, so that's regardless of the outcome. Yes. It seems counterintuitive, but there can be bad outcomes, medically speaking. Yes. Well, that there is still great benefit to the individual or their family members provided by EMS. So they're not linked to each other. Mm. A a bad day for somebody doesn't have to be totally bad. EMS can also provide the, I would like to say, the best possible day that's available to Mm. them. Overall, it might be a bad day, but we provide some some positivity in the middle of that. Absolutely. And, and this humanity point that you're making so well, you alluded to the fact that the families of these EMS volunteers also have to endure a loss in the sense that uh, clearly emergencies Absolutely. don't happen conveniently. But also, what about yeah. the community supporting, uh, financially supporting uh, the EMS efforts? Uh, those are people, too, who are in their way giving. Tell us about that. You've got to remember, as society has changed, and we talked about earlier on, the the amount of volunteers that are available in a given community to join volunteer rescue squads, mm. there has been a corresponding decrease in the availability of funds. A lot of rescue squads have a fund drive every year, and they get a lot of their operating costs from that. But as those populations and the, the, you know, the societal dynamic has changed, that has decreased. Mm. So it, it is a challenging time 
for everybody. I mean, everybody, whether you be a local government and you're trying to put this service on through your career staff, or you be a local volunteer rescue squad, everybody, regardless, is trying to do more with a lot less. Yes. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Yeah. So the, you know, folks have to do is they have to be more savvy in how they use those funds. They have to get a better bang for the buck. And society now has increased demands. Mm. If you call for an ambulance, you expect quick response. Yes. And you expect you expect high quality professional both clinical treatment and behavior from the individual. Mm. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the expectations of, of society, and rightly so, have increased also as time has gone on. And that's very hard to do all these things when it's very hard to maintain your volunteer membership. Yes. And so for the volunteer rescue squads, this is a challenge for them. They're, they're, you know, they are doing the very best they can to recruit people. But shows like this and any opportunity we can highlight this to people who might never in the world have thought of it. Yes. I wouldn't. I can't imagine me being involved in EMS. You might be very surprised. Hmm. All sorts of people get into this and realize that it's it's a somewhat of a calling or a vocation and had no clue. Even people who went, no, there is no way I would have anything to do with that. Hmm. That's mm-hmm. not, my, not in me. I could not do that. You'd be very surprised. Hmm. What I would say to you is give it a try. How do we give it a try? Let's do that as before we run out of time. How do we give it a try? Many, many, many ways to give it a try. You can either contact your local agency directly and say, I would like to explore the opportunities to volunteer in service with you. And you've got to remember, you don't have to be on an ambulance delivering health care. Some people don't like to do that or are not suited to it. But you remember, these these are corporate entities. When an ambulance shows up, there is an enormous amount of hours that have gone into putting the things in place that allows that to happen. Yes. The ambulance showing up at a scene is only the tip of the iceberg. Yes. Hmm. The whole agency has to be run. So maybe you want, if you don't think that actually caring for patients in, in a healthcare setting is for you, you may well have expertise in some other facet of the management, and they'll be happy to try and fit you in there too. So don't think that you are not a suitable person because it's only, you think it's only riding on an ambulance and providing health care. First of all, there are lots and lots of roles to support that agency. So you need to contact your agency. You can always count, contact our council here and the Thomas Jefferson EMS Council, and we're located up on Pantops and 400 Martha Jefferson Drive. You can call us at any time. And our number is 295-6146. Or you can send us a message by going online to tjems.org. And we, you can subscribe there. Actually, you can find out what's going on. Just as a citizen, I want to know what's going on. If you go to that website and subscribe, you'll be party to all the things that we are sending out. You'll have a better idea of what's going on behind the scenes. And we will be more than happy to find out where you are and direct you to the agency that serves your locality. More than happy to do that. We'd very, very much like to do that.
and of course advise uh, find out wh- where the the match is where where is the marriage and provide training in that that specifically meets your uh, your desire to be involved so yeah, absolutely yeah. if you're going to be involved in clinical care there are department of health regulations and there are varying i would say this is a little bit akin to going to college you can have an associate's degree a baccalaureate degree a master's or a doctoral degree mm. within that within ems there is the ability to get in as deep as you want to get in mm. in a stratified certification level okay this has been terrific, Tom Joyce. Um, let's uh, remind people again of the dates for the EMS Appreciation Week. So this is May the 20th through the 26th. And is there a, a specific uh, location? No, it's, it's throughout the whole Commonwealth. Um, each area, specifically, there are 11 regional councils, and each area will be doing its own unique support and celebration of these people who are out there providing this care and that will be different in every region mm. you know, depending on, on it's specific to the to the needs of the region what i would say is for that week a little thank you and a kind word goes an awful long way yes if you happen to see one of these folks and they're pulled up at a store or they're at a gas station or in a store where you are and uh, we we typically are very comfortable and accepting of approaching members of the military services and law enforcement services and saying something kind and thank, thanking them for their service. Yes. Thank these, if you see these guys, thank them for their service. Yes. It goes a long way. It does, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, does. Uh, just give us your website one more time, Tom. So the council website is tjems.org. Gems.org. Fantastic. Okay, yep. thank you so much, Tom Joyce, the Executive Director of the Thomas Jefferson Emergency Medical Services. We've learned a great deal about something that's right there in front of our eyes, all around us, ever available, that we probably don't think about enough. Let's make an effort to at least thank them and try to learn more about the people who respond and the sacrifices their families make so that they can take care of our families. How's that, Tom? Does that make sense? That makes these, these are the secret servants, the secret public servants. They're right under your nose, and oftentimes you never know they're there. Exactly. All right. Thank you so much, Tom Joyce. We wish you all the best, and EMS as well, the Thomas Jefferson EMS in particular. All the best. God bless you and your mission. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you so much. Bye now. There is nothing wrong with me. He was funny before he developed dementia, and he was funny after. Denial is not the solution. Alzheimer's is not going to go away. More than 5 million families are dealing with Alzheimer's or a related dementia, and that is more like 20 million people, because for each individual with a diagnosis, there is at least three primary caregivers who are trying to take care of them and give them the support and the love they need. Right here in Central Virginia, though, that number is close to 150,000 of our own friends and neighbors. We do all kinds of activities in the community, and we do those with the staff and the volunteers of those organizations having been trained. We pay attention to enjoying the opportunity of a community event and being out in the public. Our vision, of course, is a world without Alzheimer's. 
Support, please, the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you. Please call 1-800-272-3900. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the Reasonable Voices heard around the world. Happy 239th birthday, America. On July 4th, 2015, let us give proof through the night that each of us is still there for all of us, and if we can't put a woman in the White House, then at least give women their own $20 bill. The 1814 key to any Independence Day is celebration with contemplation of our national journey. Lessons learned from mistakes what we miss most about ourselves and those M.I.A. from our story. While remembering 1776 with sparklers and beer, allow also wonder. Founding fathers, signers and authors of the Declaration of Independence, and presidents John Adams and Thomas Jefferson die July 4, 1826. A final suggestion for our interdependence? Shall we protect Puerto Rico as American Commonwealth? Shall we finally raise a glass of whiskey to toast Sacachawea and all the original Americans who are still sacrificed for our westward ho turf hunters looking for all that glitters? At 239, shall we give Greece a hand up or protect what little Wells Fargo, Bank of America, and their Wall Street and Congressional comrades have left behind for us? Shall we lift every voice and sing in confirmation for Freddie Gray and all his brothers and sisters of similar fate from Van's boasting, Enjoy your ride, cause we sure will? At 239, amidst fires, drought, tornadoes, floods, church murders, and media-promoted lone-wolf scenarios, we remain fired up and ready to explode both heavens and low places in bipartisan celebration of preemptive open carry and free-at-last Obamacare, billionaire bonuses, and Fair Housing Act for those with minuscule incomes, the Westboro Baptist Church funeral protests, and legalized same-sex marriage awarded supreme nod to love thy neighbor as thyself. A commandment, by the way, second only to loving the God profaned by self-righteous hate, enslavement, and hypocrisy. As we celebrate 1776 to 2015, let us acknowledge both herstory and history, insisting all of our United States ratify the Equal Rights Amendment for wives, mothers, daughters, sisters, aunts, and yes, grandmothers too, in their state. In 2015, shall we embrace the half never told and this self-evident truth? While the love of money is the root of all evil, our use of money is the grassroots mega-weapon for conquering corporate takeover, teaching us together we can defeat our true enemies, domestic violence, bullies of children, gun violence, spousal abuse, sex trafficking, rape, and inequitable economic opportunity. As our rocket's red glare, let us not so much worship flags and monuments as becoming the living embodiment of our best documents, the Declaration of Independence, the United States Constitution, 
especially the 13th, 14th, 19th, and, of course, First Amendments. And the Gettysburg Address. Knowing national economic needs are the real movers and shakers, let what is past is prologue and the book of Proverbs give us wisdom for Iran returning to our circle of frenemies, atmospheric mercury pollution reigning over us, Cuba's return after a half century, conservative supremes knowingly sanctioning domestic torture in state executions, BP paying up, sort of, and Trump reaping what he has sown, multiple firings. Even if Romney's 47% and Obama's 47% continue denying their out-of-many-one inclusion in the 99%, we, agreeing to disagree, can learn to apply 1% methodology and vote with our wallets, our purchases, our consumerism. Then every day is both Independence and Election Day, without any limits on age, transformation, or celebrations. America has always been a work in progress of mixed blessings, each struggling for supremacy in an ever-increasing melting pot. But I love my country. I love it so much. My 239th birthday wish for America is, all of America begins loving all Americans. So happy birthday, Neil Simon, George M. Cohan, and the United States of America. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.